Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at doconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. We are here, episode 109 with Bryce and Julie. This is so much fun. Yeah, yeah hello. Yeah. And we can see each other. I still can't get over that. It's been 100 <laughs> yeah, I feel like you just are episodes. teasing the audience because they, I know. you know, and everyone keeps asking me by everyone. I mean, Thais and Mike Lyon and other people that we work with are like, well, if you're using Zoom now instead of your other tool, just let us see the video. I'm like, no. <laughs> then we can't edit it because yeah, editing video is edit one way harder. Uh, and, and just more time consuming. And two, especially when we have guests, sometimes you have to do a lot of editing. I will not ever tell you who we have to edit more than someone else. That would not be nice. But that would not be nice. sometimes you have, have to, to be do like, significant amounts of editing because they're just not used maybe, to this format. Yeah. Maybe if we did like shorter, like, okay, we have 20 minutes. Everyone needs to be perfect. And there's no <laughs> editing. Well, oh my that's going to be, be easier for Bryce and Julie because Andrew and I are wearing these headsets that sound like we're in Chopper 5, right? That's so, true. Or look like we're in Chopper 5. <laughs> and I'm looking at two screens, so half the time I'll be looking like I'm not looking and paying attention. Oh. And the final piece is I can't use anything else but this headset because I have four children, a dog, and a wife in this building with me. So my coworkers <laughs> will not be quiet. Who knows? The, the cleaners may show up halfway, right? So it's just... I, I need I need this yeah. mic. And you just have I look to like threaten them before you come in here. Stupid. That's what I do. <laughs> oh, threatening. Plant candy around That's good. House. Let's go into that, Julie. What? How exactly do you threaten them? What is the punishment? Oh, well, we just have like a big talk beforehand. And oh. then, yeah. And usually the kids are in charge of the dog, which is not always a good idea, but have a new puppy. So, yeah. If I ever built another house, I would want a soundproof room for my office. Yeah. Like it could be tiny. But that's what I've always told Kevin. Like, if we ever build again, my study will be small and completely soundproof. Yeah, or detached. Yeah. I mean, we were working with our Ooh, builder, detached, and, and she's like, you know, they originally drew up the house, and it was it had a shared wall, the, the office over the garage, but it was connected to the rest of the house. And we're like, no, it, we can't share any walls. And then there's a little breezeway added for the mudroom. We're like, this is perfect. And she was kind of like, really? It's not, this seems like extra expense. It's not really necessary. And then no, that's <laughs> worth it. I had a call with her because now we work with them as well as uh, design my house with them. And she had, you know, been doing the zoom thing from home as a sales manager and, and marketing leader for her company for a couple of weeks. And she was like, I totally get it now. <laughs> I know why. Cause the best soundproofing in the world doesn't solve you know, the four or five-year-old having a full-on temper tantrum, right? It's not movie studio mm -hmm. quality. So, and again, as a reminder, I have severe ADD. I've been medicated since I was, I don't know, 20 years old for this. I used to wake up at one in the morning to write my English papers in high school. So it's hard, man. Like, yeah, enough about like, me. Let's go to story enough. time. <laughs> story time. <laughs> Story time. Andrew, you got I'll something go first. for us? Yeah, super quick, super quick. So I'm working on this, this project that people start to know about later. And then two days ago, I think it was, I'm like, Kevin, I finally bought these things that I need for it. And oh, yeah. I'm like, why, why did I take six weeks? I don't know what it was to buy something that is not expensive, kind of necessary, 
Mm-hmm. Like, what, what the heck was it? And then we were just talking for the podcast. Like, you know, I think everyone needs like the same headset. So we all sound exactly the same. I'm like, maybe we should just do that too. Like, just get done. Like, what's the, for me, I'm like, what was the resistance? Like, it was like $80. It's not anything. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. I don't know, but just, just like get the decision over with and well, and you've, do what you've you know redone you your bathroom tile before mm-hmm. you've done some trim work before. Now you're working mm-hmm. on a fireplace, which by the way, the inside yeah. baseball conversation here, but I was talking to Tim Rethlake from Hearth and Home Technologies. He was on the podcast a while ago, the fireplace yeah, he's awesome. uh, company. <clears throat> and he's like, Andrew's building a fireplace. Like I told him I'd get him one if he was going to do an electric oh, fireplace. Well, like see, why there, did he call me? If he's listening. So there's like real fireplaces yeah. by them. Uh-huh. And then there's like the stuff on Amazon. Right. Completely different price ranges. So I, yeah, I didn't even assume. one he offered like, to give you for free. And the I, other, I guess I yeah. don't remember that. That's the yeah. best price range. That's terrible. I'm sorry, Sam. <laughs> Yours is much better than whatever got on Amazon. But that anyway, you're doing lots of projects, and I've decided to not do as many projects as possible from here on out in my life and to hire mm-hmm. experts. But when I was doing many more home renovation projects on my own, the number of times you're working on something and it's really hard, and then finally you get frustrated like, there must be a better way. And there always is. Yeah. And a lot of times that better way includes a tool that sometimes is yeah. two ninety nine, and, like, and then you oh. have it. And then you, yeah. Mm-hmm. With the home projects, it was a a nice that's not related to what I was just talking about, but like <laughs> a nice miter saw that was like three something, and and then like a, a better blade and all that stuff. It's like why did I try to do it with like a jigsaw before? That's so like no wonder <laughs> the projects were terrible. Da, 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 and yep. So yep. Yeah. No, enough about me. So just. Buy the thing you need. And I was, well, I was doing a webinar for NHB yesterday. And part of the thing that they asked me to talk about was what, what are some helpful tools in terms of moderation and content and Agora Pulse, which is, uh, we're going to use a new story from them. It's mm-hmm. such a great tool because I, I still remember when I had left NVR about six to eight months later, I think, I think um, they had started doing Facebook ads. Some people had attended our very first online sales and marketing summit. In Dallas, Texas, they'd taken that back, implemented it, and the warranty manager of the whole company, customer service manager, director, called me up. And at first, I had PTSD because I was like, "Is a homeowner still mad at me for something we did?" I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> but I answered it anyway. This crazy. I was like, "Hey, Leah," and she said, "Hey, what do I do?" Like, we're just getting so many comments, not not even negative, just just comments all the time. And my team is in charge of interacting them when, at the time. I was like, well, you know, it's really hard, but Agora Pulse for pennies in comparison to what a company is spending can be a great, mm-hmm. a great tool. So yeah, tools are important. Yep. Make it like easy. Oftentimes worth the money as long as you're going to use them. That's the trick. <laughs> as long as you'll use it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Oh yeah, I did. Okay. I'm ready for my story time. I thought maybe I wasn't, but I am. See Look at that. I was on Twitter last night and this, I follow Glenn Kelman. He's the CEO of Redfin. And someone tagged him and said, your San Diego tours and technology are struggling. Four days to get a tour? Homes will be gone before you can even see it with Redfin. I'm shocked and haven't, you haven't provided a tech solution to this beyond virtual tours. So a couple of things that was interesting to me. One, again, consumer behavior, right? We're just going to call out the CEO on Twitter because I'm annoyed by my <laughs> inability. No so deal. that's just always interesting, humans being humans. But that's also the beauty of Twitter. You can just go straight to whoever. You don't have to form a relationship to yell at someone. You can just yell at them. And so (laughs) the second thing is, right, you have to wait for four days. 
And the third thing was, which we're not surprised by the four days because it's, it's the best market of, of my career. But the third one is not acceptable to have virtual tours, right? That, and that's kind of, we've been talking around this idea of, yeah, you know, it's helpful. It's part of the process. It's a, it's a necessary extra step, but it is not for most people a replacement step. And so this lady's like, yeah, she's, she's not saying you don't have a virtual tour of this property. That would suffice if you did. She's like, get me in this house and you won't let me for four days. And he said, you know, I'm sorry, we'll dig into the reasons behind the delay. It's been hard to staff tours during the pandemic. So they also more insights here, right? They can't get the agents to want to, or, or the ability to, to have enough of them potentially to staff all of the homes that are open, which is understandable because mm-hmm. many agents are older and so they may feel uncomfortable, but also there's fewer homes on the market too right now. There's less homes available. So kind of makes sense, kind of doesn't. And then she provided a potential solution, which I thought was great. So currently on the Redfin site, you pick a single time slot that you're interested in and then submit it. And then a human being has to get back to you and say whether that will work or not work. It's basically just a a lead form with a suggested, this is what I'd like to come in time. And you can only choose one. So she's like, hey, a solution would be for buyers to share their tour availability for a few days and then use your technology to match it to your people's availability, having the option of only selecting one 30-minute time slot and waiting for a coordinator to update you on availability is bonkers. Really <laughs> like, great idea. It's a good idea. Right? Yeah. So there, there's lots of little insights in that conversation, but I think the big one for, for marketers who are like, we solved the pandemic is, no, you didn't. Virtual tours are not a replacement. They're an extra step. They're a helpful extra extra step. And this kind of leads me into the first pop quiz for all of you guys that I was thinking about too is right now, a lot of people, the market is bonkers is the right word for it. I mean, I talked to a builder yesterday who I think their sales goal for the year was 72. And last month they sold 28 homes and now they're over their yearly goal. So it is that crazy. <laughs> and a lot of people, the conversations we're having is, yeah, my online salespeople want to jump off a cliff. Yeah. We're thinking about hiring a second or a third online salespeople to handle the volume. And I'm glad that we're doing that, looking at, at hiring those extra people. But what I was curious to ask you guys, I've, I've thought a little bit about this in advance, so I don't want to just keep word vomiting on everyone here. How could we improve quality or keep quality the same? So I'm separating quality from urgency. There's two parts to the consumer behavior, right? Are they qualified to make a purchase of our product and how urgently do they want it? So we may not be able to affect quality off the bat, but how do we make sure that we're getting the most urgent who might be then most likely to move forward the fastest and be a more efficient sale through the rest of the process? Does that make sense? So either one, but how do we solve this challenge of too many leads, too many prospects? And, or, or feel free to say you're crazy, Kevin. There's no such thing as too many leads. I'll stick up first. <laughs> go for it, Andrew. I'll go first. I'll start with my... Um... Only do one. That we'll take turns. Oh man, only one, only one. I'll be. Uh, <laughs> you can come back. You can the LinkedIn post I put up a week or two ago. Like mm-hmm. if you are weighing your advertised price down, even though it's accurate, but if you're like, hey, we're mid two hundreds, but eighty percent of your floor plans are really upper two hundreds into the low three hundreds, that could be a way of 
reducing, like if most people are like, oh, this is, I'm hoping for 250 and it's really not 250. Of course, that depends on your community and a whole bunch of other factors. But again, one of many ideas. I think that's a, I think it's a really good one. And we talked about this Mm -hmm. on someone, someone else on this. Who, who else was on with me, Julie or Bryce? We talked about uh, taking the, the starting price of the community. Uh, Julie, you were on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, Hey, yes, normally you want to say the starting price of your base floor plan on your, on your website, but how Mm -hmm. let's have a crazy moment here. What if we change it to the starting price of your lowest priced quick move in home on the site? It's because that's it was like a $50,000 difference. Yeah. Yeah. And this builder was having trouble with the higher end products. That's what they were having trouble selling too. So that's what we needed. We needed leads for the higher end, the lower end, you know, the more affordable products weren't having any trouble. So it's just narrowing down that information and getting the right leads instead of so many. Yes. And we have a a limited pool of ad dollars still, and Mm -hmm. we want to focus it on that. It's a little bit extreme. Potentially, how if you just listen to us, you're like, that, that sounds like a like change it on your site. I agree. Most of the time, we would just change the ads. Yeah, but in this case, ad. all of the inventory in that community was of the higher end product as well. So it was, it was more of a bait and switch potential for the consumer to be like, if we did just change the ad and then you got there, it, yeah. So I think, I think if they one. see the lower, if they see the lower end, they're like, oh, that's a bonus. But then if they go and visit on site, in this and kind like, of market, see the quick move ends and everything yep. is 50 more than they think. That would be like the bait and switch feel. We were like, what do you mean? Like you said, 250, these are all 310. Mm-hmm. I right. can't even get a home for 250. The market that we're in right now, you're right. Yeah. It's like a it's like a Bob Ross happy accident moment. Oh my gosh, we thought it was from the low 300s. Look, there's a house for 280. This is awesome. Wow. Because so everyone's cool. looking at everything, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Certainly in a down market, how you want to be yeah. promoting the lowest starting price possible to reach the largest audience because the total audience size is smaller. But yeah, I, th- I think it's I think mm-hmm. it's a great one. And that that post again is on on LinkedIn. If you want to go back and find a little more details on that one, I also posted the Twitter thing on the in the Market Proof Marketing Group uh, yeah, last fine. night, so you can go see that for yourself or share it with someone as well. All right, Julie, Bryce, you guys got any ideas? Yeah, I mean, in a roundabout way, you can ask people how urgent they are you know if you have different calls to action i'm trying to remember i think this was on an event for somebody you know they were asking i I want more information i have questions or i'm ready to talk you know sit down and talk to somebody about pricing and that kind of thing so that's two different things and Mm -hmm. so if there's a way whether you're asking them directly in a form if you're doing two different calls of action you're going to get two different kinds of lead and be able to know where to put your attention Yep. And right along with that. So changing the calls to action. And then once you click on the call to action and you get to the form, you can add more questions. Like I was reviewing, I was doing an audit for someone that we don't work with and they were doing Facebook lead ads. And my first reaction was, Mm. oh no, here we go again. Why? Why are we doing this? Uh, But they had four pages of, whoa, 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 slow down there. Like you're about to send us information. First, we want to know what's your time frame, then fill in your information. Then there was a third question. So it was, they were still, they were doing their best to throw up more roadblocks and say, how urgent are you in this? Do you really want what's about to happen? You can do the same thing with their forms on your site. And you might say, Kevin, we already are requiring the phone number. So what else do you want? Ask another question. Like, when are you looking to move in? Just 
roughly speaking, every time you add any other required item, you're going to be reducing your conversion rate on that form by around 10%. And again, there are times we don't want to do that. But now may be one of those times where we do. Yeah. And like, I think like a checkbox that, that says, yes, please call me now. And we make them give now. you your phone number. And I think the theory on that being, if you are willing to answer another question, you are, you don't care about talking to someone. Like you're like, cool, talk to me. I'm ready to buy. Like mm-hmm. if someone doesn't want to tell something, then they might not be as urgent. Yeah. To, go, to go back to this lady, uh, her, her complaint on Twitter, it wasn't that there, it was too complex to tell them what her 30 minute window was. It was by the time I get there, you can't help me. And that's where, to me, it's, it's like, yeah, if you don't throw up those additional roadblocks up front and then they get through, their expectation is a great experience. And so right now we might want to yeah. try to slow that down. Any other slow it down. ideas? I mean, I was just piggybacking off of exactly what Julie just said. Just a better pre-qualification at the front maybe even when it comes to monetary value, mm-hmm. just helping implement it on that side might help reduce leads coming yep. in. Another simple one, right? Mm-hmm. We could reduce ad spend. Absolutely. Uh, especially mm-hmm. on the social side with the AI, that's going to force the AI to be more judicious in who you're targeting. Mm-hmm. Definitely we'll see if you're pushing ad spend at the higher reaches, your cost per click is going to go up because remember Facebook and Instagram are going to spend 100% of whatever budget you give them no matter what. Um, so got it, got to watch out for that. So you could be cutting ad spend as well. Any other thoughts for people? Um, it just popped in my head. I'm not sure the implementation, but in just including more information on your site mm-hmm. about everything, even things that could be a negative. If this which was is family feud, you anyways. would just get the number five answer on the board, which is hard to get, right? One, two, yes. three, the hard, lower on the board on family <laughs> feud, but ding. Good answer, Andrew, good answer. Landing pages right now. Caution. My family's yeah. watching Lost in Space. Andrew, through your recommendation as, as oh, a family. Man. It's so a good Danger one. Will Robinson. Landing pages. You're, if you've got tons of landing page use out there. Gone. Question, why are we doing that? Except for in a coming soon scenario, because you're not expecting or promising the type of customer interaction. This is just if you want to be notified later. So come one, come all to that list. But the ready to take a next step right now. Let's get going. Yeah, I had that discussion with someone yesterday who uses a lot of landing pages. And they're like, well, how do you determine lead quality from all these sources? Like, are you using lead scoring? Which I frowned at him and said, heck no, because that's evil. More on that maybe in another episode. But I hate the concept of lead scoring. Evil. You're not worthy of our time. But by definition, once they come to your site and they're, like you said, there's more content there. There's more context. I can see more pictures. I can decide which of your 30 neighborhoods I really want. I can watch videos about your company. If they do that, 11 pages, two and a half minutes, and then become a lead by definition, right? That's pretty good. That's really good. And every builder listening should agree with this statement that your absolute number one lead source is a lead from your own website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, landing pages turn off except for coming soon scenarios that's about it yep last one that i have is uh adjusting if you have it still and most people are gone with it adjust your messaging focus to inventory right that's the context of the ads you're running if you're talking about the move-in homes available that you have that is again by definition going to be a smoother more direct sales process 
we don't have and to talk about you... the options on the floor plan because this one's already done. Do you want it like it is? And that yes, you would no. definitely do the price of just what you're talking about, even if mm-hmm. the community is from the 250, but the quick movement is 300. Yep. All right. Well, we can close out the longest story time segment ever. I like it. No. Now, <laughs> we've had longer, I'm sure. And move on to the news. First up from our friends at Agora Pulse. Andrew, have you ever looked up why they're called Agora Pulse? Is that is Agora I, like Greek? I don't or know. I don't. Let's, Latin I'll find out while we all get the pulses. Agora I meaning <laughs> I don't know. It's got to mean something. Agora is Greek. Well, yeah, Agora is all right because agoraphobia is the fear of everything. Oh, there you go. A public right? open, open space used for assemblies on markets. Oh, fear of open spaces. Uh, okay. I thought what's what's the fear of everything, Charlie? Pantophobia. That was oh, just Charlie on Brown a Christmas podcast. special coming back to me in there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> there you go. Julie's, Julie's <laughs> just got this big grin on her face because she's, you know, you probably know all of your grammar queen, uh, literary. Oh, she writes wonder, <laughs> right? She's just now like, I'm going to say something really stupid in this podcast. Oh, now that you've said that, <laughs> I'm make a really obvious mistake. <laughs> and if you do, you should tweet her or whatever. Oh, right? Make sure you tag her and let her know if she makes any grammatical errors. All right, so. This is from uh, dated February 4th of 2020. And Agora Pulse has uh, what they call their social media lab where they do lots of different experiments. They're not always scientifically, like what, what's it called when you're, the numbers match up. See, the um, a moment now too. What is that word? Uh, the They're not statistical... all statistically significant. Yes. Necessarily, but they do great tests. This one is, should text be on your Instagram image posts? Yes or no? So adding text into the image itself here is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And just because it's a Friday, normally we record on Thursdays now, but it's a Friday. And I'm, I know Andrew's got to go, but I want to ask, let, let's just go behind, oh, the, behind the headline. Why do builders, well, why do marketers of any industry want to add text to their Instagram images? What is it about marketers? Is, is there Justify something? Justify their job, more time. I don't know. I'm such a meanie <laughs> sometimes about it. Like you just put a picture up. What do you mean? Took, I could put a picture up. Yeah. Maybe that's what they want to counter that argument. I think they just have, I think marketers generally are control freaks with their marketing and they feel mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm going to outsmart the system here. The system is beautiful, pretty images and a little bit of copy that only, you know, you might not see all of it out of the gate. And so I want to shout my message and put it in the forefront. And so I'm going to outsmart this Instagram thing and I'm going to just put text all over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be clear, we're not talking about ads necessarily. This is just yeah. regular image post. I had a little heartburn with this, by the way. Little, oh, good. I did. Yeah. So, I well, talk about hold it. on to your heartburn or let it all well, out. The <laughs> And if, the, if, yeah, Bryce and Julie have it up. I feel like the text on the images was not Instagram-like, but the pictures <laughs> they used were Instagram-like. The mm. font was bad. As in the font's yeah. terrible. Okay, there we go, yeah. On what bad they placement. Did. Like, it's not a fair test, I don't think. But I agree with the outcome. But I think mm-hmm. the test could have been more done, like, with, with higher quality, I guess, would be fair. Like, it's like, if you saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, this, is, this isn't a great test. But the pictures at the bottom, like, those yeah. are Instagram pictures. The rest of them, yep. eh, well... Yeah, like my grandmother shared it or something. This is definitely one where <laughs> you want to go to the the link in the show notes and and check it out because I agree with you. The first example is terrible. There is one at the bottom, yeah. a young lady holding a surfboard with some text over it. That is definitely more yeah, what you Instagram. would typically see on Instagram. 
Yeah. And yet it still held out that it wasn't yeah. as... Uh, I like that part. And that was the same account, I think, right? It was. The, I think it was the same account. Mm-hmm. Or they tested so, within the account. So that was, a good, that was a good part. They created all these different posts. They posted them at the same time uh, on different days of the week. So Monday had one with text, Tuesday with no text, Wednesday text, et cetera, every other day. They waited for seven days before pulling the data from Instagram so that all organic reach and engagement was basically obtained. And at the end of the day, Instagram photos without text on top of them had a 14.14% higher reach. So the algorithm, right, is, is, is potentially shoving them down or it's because the engagement is lower. Because mm-hmm. the ones without text also had 39.5% more likes and 2.2% more comments. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And so, no hashtags, right? They didn't do no hashtags, no. No, this was tag. a separate, yeah, they did a separate so hashtag like, test. This was just looking at. So cool. So and, and part of their conclusion, which I again I agree with, and this kind of is why I was like, what are why do marketers feel the need to do this? Is because the images with text feel more like they're marketing posts. Whether they are or are not, they feel more gimmicky, more salesy, more slimy, more clearly that something the marketer did. And that resonates because that's also why text-only emails perform so well compared to pretty emails in terms of mm-hmm. actual engagement and responses because it doesn't feel or look like it was written by a marketer. All right, moving on to adweek.com. Super cleaning robots may be the future of worker and consumer protection. Yeah. Researchers at MIT are working with Ava Robotics to provide a sanitary solution to high foot traffic spaces. Thais found this one for us and her thought, uh, in the notes, even though she couldn't join us today, was maybe using something like this in a model home or potentially even a job site in a commercial application where you've got uh, tons of people on top of each other, essentially. And there is a, a company that already has a product like this out. Uh, it uses UVC light and just basically blasts the entire area with radiation and kills all the services. So to me, it's just interesting that we have to be considering this. Yes, yeah. you know, we don't we don't know how long this is going to last, and it's, um, you can definitely feel a bit of a whiplash, especially in certain parts of the country. Understandably, around around the health concerns, and so this is just kind of a put it on your radar. Right now, I think builders are mostly just talking about hand sanitizer and masks, and please don't touch any of the doorways or anything you don't need to. And depending on how long this lasts or if the thing mutates, pray to God it doesn't, Mm -hmm. things like this may be something that marketers are going to have to be thinking about. Like, I guess the way I'd put this is I always am asking people the question, who else in your organization is thinking about this, whatever the topic is? And usually the answer is kind of no one. Like people might have brought it up, but no one's really thinking about how to fix this. Bryce is chuckling at that one. I I got Bryce to laugh. Good job. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, oh, oh I had one thought. Yeah. I think I don't. So I'm, I've had this thing. I don't think we're in this post-COVID world. I feel oh, no. like I see that word. Like we're still like in the infancy of it. Oh yeah. Um, maybe because I'm in Florida and we're like, we're like, oh, look how good good a job we did. Not really. Yep. It just never peaked anywhere. Um, <laughs> it seems like. But I think this could get into like bigger topics. But like. Or things like this, what we should have been doing all along because we had the flu, we had people getting cold, we have all this money on treatment. 
of health issues versus like have this robot in your grocery store for $20,000. And that's just what you do because why would you not have that? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, just thinking like, well, for sure permanent now, like this is what we do because we're elevating into this future world of like what you'd see, like in a sci-fi movie where like no one gets sick because we have robots running around cleaning 24 seven. Yeah. Like I think the, the first phase for home builders anyway, wave one of just, panic and what does this all mean right the shock phase kind of ended at the end of april for most people and now we're in we're not we're definitely not in a post-covid we are in we're in a phase two of especially with school starting up now it's like learning how to this is real learning how to live and work in a pandemic while also doing more than ever online right and that's we're kind of figuring out what that looks like and i don't think we'll be not even in a post-covid mentality obviously until the virus is gone but I think in terms of starting to to lay foundations into what will someday be the new normal is going to be next spring once we get yeah. through another winter. We have to figure out school. Like that's a huge thing. Yours are homeschooled. <laughs> but I, think I just I gave like, Andrew a look. I don't, I'm, we're, we're good uh, here. We're homeschooling. Yeah. yeah. Well, just like society like, in general, like, people need to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think. And well, kids at school. I was talking to my girlfriend the other day and she's actually a hairstylist, but she was saying how she is going to wear a mask during Christmas time, around Christmas time indefinitely because she always gets the flu every time around Christmas time from everybody trying to come in and get in all the time. She was like, this is going to be my new norm. It's the new norm for me. So it was just, it's just interesting to hear that. Yeah. Wear a mask, be uncomfortable. And like, if it can prevent the flu, like, yeah. Or have the flu for five days and feel awful and take time off from work and feel awful for five days. And then of course there's deaths associated with that. Yeah. So, I think that's yeah. I think it's you're you're right on the money. And then at the same time, I also think about at least I feel like it was in the late nineties, there was this trend of always talking about the super germ that was gonna kill us all because we were using so much antibacterial wipes and whatever else. So I'm kinda like <laughs> yeah, also if I don't get the flu for or or a cold for eight years in a row, then yeah. am I going to be got down for like a month when I get, cause my, you know. Yeah. It would be perfect all the time. And then when we have something that's like, Oh no, you're to me yeah. in the ICU. It's so hard. It just proves how much we don't know about so many things, even though everyone we wants to pretend know. like we know. Right? I know. Yeah. I'm all for wearing the mask and not getting sick. Like even in the flu and cold scenario, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And, and yet we don't really know what that long-term piece yeah. means. I feel uncomfortable anytime we get outside of marketing talk. So let's get back to marketing talk. Oh crap. You, you teed this up. So we're, we're back to facebook.com slash business. Uh, This is uh, we get regular updates from our contacts at the folks at Facebook. And there's, I mean, this last one was. That's the email you're talking about. Uh, It It was was longer than the declaration of independence, the constitution and the, Bill of Rights, like all together. But there was a particularly interesting link that would, for those of you who are interested, be able to get a lot more insight into the company's perspective on how they're trying to address a lot of the criticism that they're getting right now. So right from their little script here is, with the ongoing global pandemic, the coming 2020 US election, dear Lord, can we just please skip to December right now? And important conversations about racial injustice happening around the world. Clients and partners are looking for insight into what Facebook is doing to stop hate speech on our platforms. And there are, 
one, two, three, four, five, six different videos of them kind of going for, again, from their perspective, point by point on how they want to make sure people understand that they are working to try to make this better. It's really cool. Whether, whether it's enough, whether it actually is making it better, that's for you to decide after you go yeah. and watch it. But I think it is important to, as a marketer, have have the insight into both how their systems are set up and currently working and how they're looking to change them. That's why I think the cool part on that is is just getting how they they identify even speech to a page, like the page speaking versus a profile speaking. All hmm. these different things that like I've never thought about, like, oh, and that to separate everything, which they do all this also on the advertising side. As far as like if a page is talking about this, what does that mean as far as a profile? Yeah, it means giving your ad money or no one's going to see it. That's, uh-huh. We know that's what so it means. Yeah, just getting more like a deeper understanding of how they work, I think is the like, cool outcome. As well as like just seeing the response versus a headline, people giving Facebook a hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yep. Fantastic. I, I don't know why this just hit me now, but hey, Becca, hope you're having a great vacation. We, we miss you. Come on Lots back. of horse time, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to our last two news stories, both from CNBC.com. I just think it's, it's interesting to see the high and the low or the happy and the crappy, as we say in our, yes, our group calls here. Uh, the first one is homebuyer mortgage demand spikes 33% as rates <laughs> set another record low. This is published on July 8th of 2020. And so... This is, I mean, the great thing about percentages and ratios is that uh, it can sound super impressive and not actually be impressive or the reverse. In this case, it's a 33% growth on top of what was already a big trend up. Seems pretty big. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't, we aren't surprised based on working with our builder partners around the country to see this, but mortgage rates keep trickling down lower and, um, and that's the most interesting thing is, you know, the, the, the Federal Reserve is, is unlikely at this point to go much lower on the 10-year treasury rate, which usually mortgages are pegged to fairly closely. And yet they keep trickling down because as the demand surges for them, competition of we want to get our unfair share. In fact, Rocket Mortgage, I think, is going public relatively soon. Um, but division, I think currently of Quicken Loans, they're, they're going to be going public in a, like a hundred billion dollar stock offering or something. So, and they're not a bank. They're what they're, what you call a non-bank lender. So competition is fierce right now to try to get, cause there's not many other ways to get, get that business for banks and non-banks right now for, from, from other types of loans. So that's the good news. The potential bad news is and also from CNBC. This one is dated July 10th. Coronavirus mortgage bailout sees biggest one-week decline. So fewer people are asking to be, um, I don't know, the bailout is, I think, an incorrect term here because it's, we're talking about forbearance. So eventually you have to pay. You're not just given money, right? But whatever, journalists. (laughs) sees biggest one-week decline. But more borrowers are extending their terms. So the people who are already in the program are not coming back and saying, hey, we're all good now. We got our job back. We feel confident about our financial future. So we don't need... Because forbearance does have a negative impact. I think there... Uh, I remember people talking about being unable to get other types of loans or credit or seeing an impact on their credit potentially, even from, from being part of the program. So there is some incentive to get out of it 
if you want to do other activities. Uh, but that's not happening. And so it's good that we don't have, you know, a bunch of new people applying. But right now there's 4.14 million loans in forbearance representing nearly 8% of active mortgages. Wow. Uh, and so, you know, right now, part of, part of the beauty of all this has been even markets that are, that are hard hit, people are not trying to sell their home. And so we're not seeing, there's not distressed sellers in the marketplace. I don't have a news story on this. And someone should fact check me like they should check Julie's grammar. But I saw another article <laughs> about 40, 40% of mortgages have more than 50% equity. Some, some crazy number about the amount of equity mm. that people have in their home, it's which if you were around during the Great Recession or right before it, you know, that was nowhere near that number. The number of people underwater was what caused the problem because people just ended up walking away from the home versus trying to yeah. sell it at a loss. It looks like that's unlikely to happen, but someone did just change their predictions. I wish I could give credit. And, and remember before we were talking about a, like a 1% national decrease in home prices? which has only happened twice. 1% sounds like no big deal, but nationally for the whole housing market to go down 1% is extremely rare. It only happened before in the Great Recession and Great Depression. And someone uh, just yesterday I saw on LinkedIn uh, called for an 8.6% decline. Seems so, uh, terrible. It, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, a 10% loss is definitely not as bad as a 30 to 50%. I mean, people in Vegas, when the Great Recession happened, their house dropped in value. 50% or more uh, at times. So it's not as bad, but I think that's where it's the best housing market we've ever had, but we have no guarantees of how long, even though I'd still think it'll last through the spring of next year at this point, we just don't know if the virus surges, if unemployment gets hit, we're still in a precarious place. And so as builders keep selling further and further out saying it's going to take 15 months to build your home, et cetera, also had calls with multiple builders who were having a hard time getting materials, which we talked about this back mm -hmm. in March on the weekly podcast episodes of builders saying, mm -hmm. we can't get enough windows. We can't get enough lumber to pretty core pieces of material for homes. It's important. And, yeah. and so what we talked through was, you know, they may have to say, you know what, you're going to have a vinyl window on your home and it's going to be white. Who the manufacturer is? We cannot promise you that unless you want to move in, you know, a year later than you're planning to move in. So was oh, that because there was pieces of it from China? I think was, well, I'm sure it's a huge magnitude of, of things, but. Well, China was the original problem. Again, you remember we, we mentioned back in, I think, February, late February, that there was some builders who were having trouble getting materials because China had shut down in December. And now we've got people who, you know, things were shut down here locally as well and still are in other countries around the world. And so complex supply chains, yeah, can lead to complete product complex. shortfalls. So there's still, what can a marketer do about all this stuff? Mm, just be smart, manage your budget, you know, do some of the things we talked about earlier. Don't, don't overextend yourself too far. Have some type of dry powder ready so that if you had to push harder for a month or two, marketing standpoint, you, you won't have to fight for more budget necessarily while other people are cutting. That's the last thing as we wrap up here. There are builders and even large builders around the country who have said things are so good right now that they're cutting 50% of their budget. I think one top 25 builder even said we're basically cutting 
100% of our digital efforts. Now, I'm not saying that's smart, but that just, again, that's how good it is right now. And hopefully they're shifting that money into investment in content, website, something, other things, not just trying to maximize one quarter's results as a public organization. That would be a disaster. I feel like the risk on that is you don't know, you turn it off today, July 10th, you turn it on September 10th. What's the lag time between like, because everyone's different. You could be like, oh, we got attribution. We could check. We know when people contact, but like maybe the lead today, July was, they started their journey in February or March or April. Yeah. Well, then that's the problem with sudden starts and stops of, you know, going from a hundred to zero and then zero to 100. Those are just always unpredictable. It's much easier to scale back slowly over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that but that is happening out there. And again, just all that to say, st- stay stay aware, stay on your toes, right? Be, be nimble, be flexible, be able to react quickly. Keep checking the data. But for right now, I think July is going to be another record-setting month for a whole Bumpy. bunch of you. And I'm happy about that. And we said that last time. It's okay to enjoy this too. There's really nothing to freak out about right now. But there are still some long-term things that you can be working on that will help you whenever the next adjustment happens. All right. On to the answers to last week's question of the week. Does your company or leadership place more value on lead quality, lead quantity, or both? And right now, it's a dead tie between we want it all. Nice. Give, us, <laughs> give us quality and quantity. We want both. Uh, as And then the, the tie with that is the fewer the better if they are more qualified. And I want to see what builders voted on that. Yeah, you should do that. Remember, um, now we asked the question on last week's episode, but because of the magic of time, uh, most people don't know yet to, they haven't heard the episode to know to put in A or B for the, for the real answer. But we'll read a couple of the comments. I, I just think it reminds me, again, reading those, that on our very first call with most builders, I will ask this question of them. If your lead number goes down and your website traffic goes down, but appointments and sales increase, who's going to freak out or will anyone freak out? Because oftentimes we can reduce ad spend, right? We can focus on more quality and we end up getting more appointments set from the online salesperson than previously, sometimes dramatically more and more sales. And that makes people scratch their heads. They're like, wait a minute, this just doesn't make any sense. Melissa Gallen says, we work hard for quality, but also recognize the value of momentum and how quiet can impact the sales team. I think that's an important point. Um, You know, salespeople with nothing to do, that's a dangerous animal right there. (laughs) In terms of their psychological state when they do get a lead, even if it is high quality, they might be so low energy or have such high commission breath because they're so desperate that things might not work out. So that's a great point. It's probably Don a balance there of, oh, I was going to say, probably balance there of, you want them to have some like, oh, like I better really work my leads, but not too much because they're going to get all, like Well, you, you lift said. weights. You got to have reps. You can't you just do. Reps, and then you need downtime. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you do need reps if you aren't going, you forget how to talk to people. Don Dantzler says, I think our emphasis on lead quality might be better phrased as, we're okay with lots of leads as long as they're qualified. We don't dislike high numbers. We just don't want high numbers of junk. And amen to that. I think that the harder gray area is, but if you still have too many, then you do have to figure out how to get the quality level 
raised even higher and or reduce the numbers that you can focus on the best and, and move them through. And again, part of that, going back to the Twitter example, was the promise of what type of experience. If we can't deliver that, especially, then we got to be careful because we're creating upset word of mouth in, in our area that we work in. All right, that'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. As always, you can also call in with your questions on this episode, questions and comments on this episode or any other to 404-369-2595, 404-369-2595, or email them to show at doyouconvert.com. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye.